How you feeling, Luke? Are you going to be funny? No. Well, okay. Some things have changed. Yeah. How's that FIFA going? It's going great, man. We got a lot of viewership last night. Oh, we did. Fantastic viewership. Uh, That's all that matters. Yep. That's all I care about. I, I, I'd like a W. Oh, we'll get it, one it, It's JP. coming. It's JP's coming. garbage. It's coming. <laughs> By the way, that's going to be the cold open. And welcome back to another Who Gives a Hoot. We've got a packed show for you. A great interview with Ryan Madden. But first, we have to address the elephant in the room, Luke. And it is the fact that Patrick Tyler, the FIFA god, has been running around bragging about how great he is at FIFA. And he lost to Dami. I mean, Dami is... That that Barcelona training really picked up his FIFA game. Um, the Luke, the haters in the comments were going that he dominated. I mean, that, uh, that's what the haters were saying, not me. Uh, Pat, has there anything you want to say? The only thing I want to say about it is that <laughs> to be honest with you, there was a pause. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. There was a pause there, and I thought you just got so mad you left. So, like, <laughs> <laughs> no, no. Okay. The only thing I'm going to say is I may or may not have developed a bad case of the yips. Okay. Um, so, I won't lie. The AC Milan first intergame, I thought, was actually our best game by far. Oh, so um, th- kind of did not end well. But, I mean, hey, better than better, – better start than against Jack. Better start against Jack. Yep. So obviously an improvement was made. Um, and then, you know, it's just something about a puppy dog going up against a bull. Just it, it it's rough. You can't you can't expect good things to happen when you have AC Milan against Barcelona. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so it's just rough. Hand up. Maybe staying with AC Milan in but, that second game was a mistake. But Others pe- would say that it's, you know, you got to ride or die with your team. But people are saying that you you even switched your teams in the third game to Atletico Madrid and then laughed at Dami for picking a team that you've never heard of and then him scoring six unanswered goals against you, Pat. I'm not going to lie. These are what the haters are saying, not me. I'm not quite sure what John Oblock was doing. Okay. And, and, and this is one of those things about FIFA 20 that's really frustrating. Right. Is the fact that the AI is just terrible. Okay. So it's and not – so it's the ha- AI and have, it's the dog. You can have a 91-rated goalkeeper like John Oblock, okay. and he could play like he's a 60. Okay. Luke, do you have any comment about uh, about Pat? I think Pat didn't watch enough of the USL memes tournament where Dami played yeah. Al-Halal every time yeah. and did some no, fantastic work. Uh, I, I think you, you walked right into that one. Team Dami was really used to. Uh, and, you know, when he is the Barcelona Academy, he must have upped his FIFA game more, yeah. more than you. Pat? I don't so- know. All I'm going to say is, one, I'm sorry to the fans. Yeah. I've let you down for a second game in a row. It's 0-2. It's 
And, yeah. and I'm not going to lie. Dami and Jack have played really well. They have okay. played way better than I expected, especially watching just god-awful play at the EUSL. Yep. But you know what? They they made, they stepped up. They came, they decided to come back better than ever. And unfortunately, I fell into that little trap. And that's okay. There's no problem with that. The only thing I am going to promise, though, is that I will not go winless. Okay. Now, do this you have Sunday, another game? Oh, here it is. Yes. So this Sunday, 8, 8 p.m. again, I will be going up against JP. How are you going to change your tactics, Pat? How am I gonna change my tactics? like? I, I like. Are you gonna? Are you looking at video? Or are you trying to do something different? Like, like what yeah, the heck? So I, no, you know, the only thing I'm gonna say to you, because I don't want to give, I don't want to give anything to JP. The only thing I'm gonna say is that you can't not play with AC Milan. Yep, you have to be you AC just Milan. Can't you just can't not play with them? Yep. So the only thing I'm gonna say is coming into this next Sunday, expect to see. The Rossonero. Okay. Okay. All right. Well, you know, we have a lot of League One news to come win this Ryan Madden interview. So don't think we're just going to talk about FIFA. But Pat, what a great double negative to end on it. And we've got a great interview where we where Ryan Madden asks, answers a lot of your guys' questions that you tweeted at us and some more. Uh, talking about when the league will come back. Talking about how coronavirus affected it. Maybe we got some League One expansion news. But make sure that you give it a listen. Give us a five-star review. And uh, give us a review so that we can read it. We'll probably read reviews on the next one, and we'll have another mailbag on the next next podcast because we've got some other cool, cool podcasts coming up. So thank you guys so much for listening. And have fun with the Ryan Madden interview. Hey, guys, before we get to the interview, I want to talk to you guys about Global Scarves. Global Scarves is the premier supplier of custom soccer scarves, beanies, blankets, and other great fan merchandise. They have the lowest pricing to maximize your fundraising needs and to produce at the highest quality in Europe, where soccer was born. They know the product, and they know what it means to put that scarf on for match day. They work tirelessly to make sure that you are outfitted to support your club. Email Global Scarves now to find out more information on the process or to get a free design mock-up for your group or club at kyle at globalscarves.com. And we welcome on Vice President of Communications for USL, Ryan Madden. We're super excited to have you on. How are you doing? I'm doing great, guys. Nowhere else I'd rather be. Thanks for, uh, thanks for being patient with me, and, and uh, <laughs> I'm, 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 I'm thrilled to be here. Now, we've had some listeners come in and uh, kind of do our job for us and ask a couple of questions for us. Right. Uh, Chip asks, uh, what is your favorite League One city to visit? Oh, my gosh. Um, uh, Omaha. <laughs> <laughs> <Boo. Perfect> <laughs> now, look, I, um, here's the cool thing about my favorite thing about traveling to League One communities is I'm originally from Southern California. I went to school in Missouri and then, um, I bounced around a little bit from Colorado to South Carolina and out of Florida, um, professionally, but League One has a lot of communities that you maybe, if you're not from that area, wouldn't often, um, have a reason to go visit necessarily. So um, being able to see Statesboro and Greenville and, and these places that I, I wouldn't normally travel to has been amazing. I was in Omaha for the the club announcement. I um, I didn't get to see a lot of it. I was at a I was at the hotel over near Warner Park. I went to some bar in Midtown and had a really good time with Jay and some of the guys. But um, but I don't know. You know, I think it's uh 
it, they're all they're all amazing in their own different ways. But um, but I need to get back to Omaha soon, man. I need to spend a little bit more time there, see what it's all about. Well, I mean, that's going to lead us into the next question, which which city has the best beer? Ooh, I, I mean, we haven't spent enough time here, so I, I guess we're probably out of the running. Yeah. Um, what did I? I had um, I did have a good beer while I was there. The Zipline, is that right? Yep. Okay. So I had yeah. Zipline while I was there. I liked it. Greenville, Madison, and Chattanooga all have their own club branded beers, which I have a lot of love for. Um, mm-hmm. I like those. I like the collaborations. Uh, I think of the ones I've had of those club branded ones, I think the one in Greenville is the best one I've tasted um, so far, if I'm being totally honest with you guys. Well, we'll, we'll have to get you on. Uh, the club doesn't have a branded beer, but one of the supporters groups uh, partnered with a brewery and got uh, the Bujo Blanc. Okay. So it's actually pretty, pretty tasty beer for some hot weather. So what, we'll, um, we'll get you on that. Tell me what it is. What's a, what's a Blanc? It's a, it's a Belgian white. Okay. Okay. It's it's real smooth, goes down dangerously, dangerously quick. Uh, but you know it, it's going to be one of those really really tasty ones. Um, they they launched that with their uh, raising money for for nurses uh, during Nurses Week. Oh, that's uh, amazing! That's amazing. Yeah, yeah. Great, cool. great beer on the Benson Brewing. Like when uh, when this is over, we're all fine. Shoot me a link. I'll uh, I'm going to order order a case or two. Definitely, definitely can do that. But to get back, I mean, to talk about Greenville, we had uh, Andrew from Greenville who asked, how, I mean, what would it take to completely re- derail a returning season? Uh, you know, we want to have the season. Uh, we, we have the start date all set out. I mean, do you foresee any troubles with getting to that start date? Man, that's kind of a, <laughs> it's kind of a bleak it's, question. Andrew's in a, yeah. Andrew might be in a, a bit of a dark place right now. Um, that's how, that's how a lot of fans are. I'm a baseball nut and that's how I feel right now, to be honest with no. you. I'm just dead. Look, man, there's, there's, there's no reason to believe that will happen at all. Um, the reality is this, and, I, and I'd be interested to get your guys' perspective on it as well. But if we didn't come back to play in 2020, people by and large, would have understood. Not universally, of course. Some groups would have been upset. But I think the overarching sentiment would have been empathy and understanding. So we're not returning to play this season because we felt a great deal of pressure necessarily to do so. But instead, because the players, the owners, and staff almost universally want to and believe it's the right thing to do and collectively we think we can do it in a safe way and it's it's part of this larger strategy that's been underway since march 12th the day the championship and league one's temporary suspensions were announced um i'm not gonna lie it's been it's been a complicated process uh there are a lot of moving parts it involves a lot of people it hasn't always been easy but if there's a silver lining in everything we've been through over the last couple of months it's that collectively this crisis and the management of it, I think, has brought us closer together. It's challenged pre-existing notions and forced us to view um, what we're doing in different ways. It's accelerated certain parts of the business. And I remember this. I remember this interview that Jake did. Um, Jake Edwards, president of USL, early on, just after the announcement came down, and he was talking about wanting to come out of this crisis stronger than we went in. And I can tell you, honestly, being, you know, a part of this day in, day out, based on what I know, 
there's a real possibility that that, that may come to fruition. So I don't think there's anything that's going to derail us between now and when we start kicking off the ball. And in fact, I'm, I'm, I'm more bullish on, um, on, on this season than I have at any point to date. Now it leads really, really well into this one that I, I, I've personally been thinking a lot about, we may be the only U S sports league to allow fans into the stadiums this year. Like how, how do you think that's going to change the visibility of USL in throughout the U S and potentially throughout the soccer world? I think it's a big opportunity. It really is. And it's a, it's a, it's a great question because it is going to impact our visibility and more people are going to interact with USL and its clubs than, um, than before. And I think the brands are going to get exposed to a new population of people that haven't necessarily consumed USL soccer before. But to be honest with you, I think it's happening regardless, you know, 10 years ago, USL was a, a single eight team league without much fanfare or brand recognition um, today, just 10 years later, you know, 10 years, USL has grown into the largest, fastest growing professional soccer organization in the United States. One of the best second divisions um, in the world in, in the champion third division in League One that has 12 teams now, but who will experience a ton of growth in the buildup to the 2026 World Cup. League Two, the premier pre-professional development platform in the United States, a burgeoning academy network, a media rights deal with ESPN that sees us um, producing more live content for ESPN Plus than any other professional league in the world, a billion dollars in stadium development. If, if you had told someone 10 years ago that all of that would occur in such a short period of time, they would have said, no way, impossible, right? It's not going to happen. But it did. And I think the question that's really exciting, if you're a USL supporter, is what will the next 10 look like, right? How about the 2026 um, World Cup? our growth hasn't slowed at all as an organization. Um, you know, I, I came on board two years ago and I oftentimes feel like the organization I work for today is, isn't even the one that I worked for two years ago. It's, it's maturing and growing at a really fast rate, even in a crisis, it's, it's gotten stronger. So I'm not just saying it cause I'm the, the head of communications mm -hmm. league. I, I mean it honestly, you know, we've never, we've never felt more, confident about the future of this league than we do tonight right now um in this interview even there are there are some really special days ahead of us days that i think will change the north american soccer landscape forever and um and i'm i'm just i'm just really really excited about not just what this year has because like you said we have a great opportunity but what the next few have waiting for us as well yeah, and, you know, we're very hopeful, and obviously we've had a set date on when the season starts. And we're and like Luke was saying, we're going to have fans. I think we are going to be one of the first sports to have fans. Do you – Forward Madison came out with a type of a framework uh, of having, you know, a return to play, and they have health, health and safety guidelines. Do you – how do you foresee what a fan's experience is going to be like at a USL League One game coming up this season? Yeah, it's such a good question. I um, thank you, thank you. I appreciate that. <laughs> I think it's, it's going to vary, to be honest with you, be, from community to community. In part because COVID nineteen has impacted certain parts of the country more dramatically than others, and um, local and state health authority guidelines take precedent over over USL policies and pr procedures, even. So, um, when we made the decision to come back to 
to play in 2020 and to not do it in a hub model and to do it in our communities, in our venues. We also um, had to do so with clear eyes and understanding that, that it's not going to be a consistent experience across every championship and every League One club. So um, I, don't, I don't have a, a singular point of view that I can provide to tell you this is what it's going to be like for for every team, um, you know, because the, the the truth is, you should be paying just as close of attention to the Sharpie County um, health guidelines and the City of Omaha health guidelines as you should be with what we're doing from a policy standpoint. But um, I do think as time goes on, more and more fans are going to be allowed into the building, and I also know, if, you know, from your guys' perspective, that that's not probably what you were hoping the team's first game was going to look like. But um, maybe the, the almost honest answer is that you guys are just going to have to yell loud enough to, uh, to make up for all the, uh, the, the, the butts that we can't put in seats so that we can maintain some social distancing. No, that, that's definitely something that's going to be weird to see. And we're, we know that uh, the front office has done some fantastic things here in Omaha um, yeah, had some great plans working with the the county that um, Warner Park's in uh, to come up with those. But something that's been leading up to is training. Um, I know that there have been some stipulations put in of where teams can train to kind of limit the uh, possibility of COVID transmission to teams that eventually will be traveling. Um, is there going to be any sort of move forward in League One? Uh, to push for soccer-specific stadiums or at least teams having an investment or league or team-owned facilities um, that they're playing, practicing in. I know, um, for instance, in um, championship, uh, OKC Energy is having some issues with their um, – they're not going to be able to play in their home stadium. I believe uh, Madison's having some issues with – Breeze Field and what the state guidelines, city guidelines are versus what they they're able to do. Uh, do you see that that changing for for the league to make make a little bit more ownership of that? Yes, I, I, I do. But I I think it's important to note that it's not just um, COVID induced. You know, I think I think that's a movement that is happening regardless you know you think about i don't know if you guys saw the the usl supporters survey that dropped recently in the athletic yeah. um stadium development was voted by more than 1100 fans as as their top as the supporters top priority or the thing that they would like to see prioritized most by the league so i i understand the, the rationale for the question and why it's important in a in sort of a post COVID 19 environment but i think I think the momentum has been building on that front for a long time and are already trending in that direction. Across the country right now, USL owners, operators, and investors have, like I said, over a billion dollars with a B, real or proposed, committed towards USL stadium development. That's incredible. Um, I think it might be the most undertold story in American sports at the moment, which, you know, given my job, you could probably argue is, is entirely my fault. Um, <laughs> but, but with that said, but with all that said, I think, I think you guys have a tremendous supporter experience ahead of you at Warner Park. I've been there. I've, I've talked to Gary about the renovation at, at the stadium and spoken with Matt and Jay about the club's plans to 
turn it into a supporter friendly venue and, and sort of a fortress for you guys. And I really believe in the vision for the future of Union Omaha and, and what Gary and his team have laid out. I know that the timing, like I said, of the crisis was rough for you guys. It, it hit just as things probably felt like they were really starting to become real. But um, I'm just really, really excited for you all to get out to the stadium when it's safe to do so and, and cheer on the club. It's going to be fantastic. My hope is that uh, it'll be safe enough for me to, to fly out and come share that experience with you guys, too. Now, Andrew from Greenville asked another great question. He goes, how, how are USL League One helping to protect the players, not only their safety, but their livelihood? Yeah, that, that, I think that's the most important thing that we can probably talk about tonight. Um, health and wellness is, is, is our top priority, full stop. Players, fans, staff, any return to play was always predicated on our ability to do it safely. It's, it's been a guiding light. It can, be a, it can be a little bit hard to talk about and follow sometimes because it's not, it's not all that conversational. It's not exactly the kind of thing that you would talk about over a beer, but I'm happy to give some insight into the process behind creating our strategy to keep people safe. So essentially from the day of the temporary suspension announcement, which was March 12th, I believe we've been we've been getting expert advice from a few different areas. First, a COVID-19 national task force that's comprised of medical, legal, and um, operational experts from U.S. Soccer, including their chief medical officer George Champis, as well as MLS and NWSL. And that group gets into a room, shares best practices, makes sure that the best practices are being are being not only shared, but also implemented across all three leagues. It's run by U.S. soccer to make sure that, that standards are being met. Then we have internal committees made up of, of nine experts from within the league. And on top of all of that, we've onboarded outside expertise from some of the most well-regarded and prestigious public health institutions in the country. Um, Dr. Howard Christman from Northwestern University and Dr. John McCullers from the University of Tennessee. Both of them are, are, are giants in, in their, their specific fields. So together, you kind of take all that intellectual and medical expertise and, and bring it together, package it and create a full list of USL health and wellness protocols that govern in its entirety, all return to play. Um, the final document will be somewhere between 40 and 50 pages. It'll be viewed by the USL Players Association, who will give feedback in their approval, and then it will be published in its entirety um, on the league website. So anyone can go and, and check it out and see exactly what we're doing to answer that question. So um, I'd probably be doing the policies a bit of an injustice if I tried to explain <laughs> or elaborate them. Fair uh, enough. Fair without enough. Any, without any medical degree or expertise of my own. Um, but I can tell you that they, they focus heavily on things like maximizing social distancing, PPE and sanitization, screening, testing, training and education. Um, and all of that is a very long way of saying that it's just they're really robust and, and we have a great deal of confidence in them. Now, with, um, with the league going back to play and going to be in a very adjusted format, we've heard rumors from every which way of things involving championship teams, regional schedules, every, every conceived sort of thing, you know, I think except maybe uh, us playing the Canadian Premier League. I, I think that was the only one that was in there. Uh, but what, what are we going to be looking like after that season, however it ends up with a playoff format? Is that, 
going to have a playoff no matter what um, to name the championship? We're going to go more European style where points uh, determine the winner of the league. Uh, what, what do you think we're going to be seeing there? Well, I get also all those things that you mentioned were all things considered. Um, of course, <laughs> the one that, that you mentioned that was not um, considered. Um, but structure and scheduling are the things that, that we get asked about the most. And, and I don't have a format for you and I don't even have dates and I can't break any news, but what I can tell you, dang it, I know, cancel the interview, (laughs) shut it down, shut it down. Um, (laughs) But what, what I can say is that we have, we have four major announcements coming up between now and when the ball starts getting kicked around. So first and foremost, we're going to announce a competition format and that competition format is going to be some of the things that you said, it's going to be a, a start date and a finish date. It's going to be a general understanding of what the competition structure is and what the playoff format is. Then after that, you're going to see a, an announcement when appropriate on a return to full-sided training. Um, after that, you're going to see the league release its full health and wellness policies, which we just got done talking about. And then lastly, um, the schedule. So I know people, people are eager, but I'm confident we'll get all of that done in the next two to three weeks and uh, all of your questions will be answered. I want to circle back to something that you talked about a little bit earlier. Um, you talked about how you want to go, like Jake Edwards is talking about how you want to come back out of this stronger than what you guys went into it. How do you feel like you've became, how this league has become stronger through coronavirus? Um, the most important thing is that we, it has forced everyone to come together with more frequency and find common ground. You know, I think in, in, a, in a previous sort of version of ourselves in years past, um, the growth had been, had been tremendous and we had gotten into sort of a routine and teams in the league maybe were um, operating in a bit more of, of individual silos. But the, the very first thing that happened when COVID hit is we all had to come together and we had to set far more regular meetings and we had to talk far more often. And that's a huge population of people when you have 47 clubs. Um, but the amount of, of, I think, really sort of like impressive dialogue that we've had internally and the amount of feedback and the amount of different perspectives that have had to be onboarded and the way that we've had to figure out as a sort of cohesive unit how to navigate this, this unprecedented crisis and find a way out and has instilled in everyone a huge amount of confidence because there's a belief that if we can get through this, which we will, we can get through anything. And if we can get through anything, then the sky's the limit for what the future of this league can and will look like. So we are, we are a far more communicative, more closely knit group heading out of this than we were heading in. Um, And I think everyone has a greater deal of empathy and understanding for what their colleagues are going through. And I think everyone's a little bit quicker to pick up the phone and lend a helping hand than maybe we were coming into this. So it's um, that, that, that at its core is I think why we're stronger today than, than we were um, even before this whole thing came down. Now, as we get through this season and hopefully this is the only season in our lifetimes that's ever like this. Uh, what are we going to do with next season uh, and seasons after that with expansion, bringing those teams on and 
you know, which ones are, are we looking at? Cause I know that there's been some tease as to uh, there were up to five ready to launch for next year, but some of the already announced ones are pushing back a year uh, in the championship. I know Des Moines pushed theirs, theirs back a year. Uh, yep. Is there any bid that exists um, recent ones uh, that you've, you've sat and or, throwing stuff out about um, include Fort Wayne where you sat down with, with DeMarcus Beasley um, and you know, Portland's gotten a little bit of little bit of press there. Um, High Point, North Carolina, um, yeah. our, our long shot candidates that we we'd love to see for road trip purposes, Wichita and Sioux Falls. Yeah. But it, yeah. is there a, any traction there that you think is going to be derailed if there's traction there at all? No reason to think that's the case as, as things stand right now. Um, it's been one of the, the really encouraging aspects of, of this whole sort of crisis management is that there hasn't, it hasn't lessened the appetite for League One expansion in any noticeable way. Justin Papadakis is our, our chief um, operating officer. He, he really oversees our expansion effort and he gives us updates on a regular basis and, um, I think at last at last conversation we were in dialogue with over fifty five zero communities across the Jeez. country about a League One team um, coming to their community. We were in active negotiations with fifteen, and we were expecting somewhere between three to five expansion announcements by the end of the year. Those are those are big numbers, and and they speak to I think people viewing that this period of rapid expansion in professional soccer in the United States is, is slowly coming to an end. League one is, is, is um, in some way, shape and form the kind of the final frontier on this. And if communities want to get into the ball game, this is their Avenue to do it. So, you know, a lot, all those communities that you talked about, Lexington, Fort Wayne, Portland, all of those are real on the radar and, and are currently being negotiated. I think, you know, Portland um, and Fort Wayne are, are really, really interesting. Not that Lexington isn't. I love Lexington. I think it'd be an amazing <laughs> community. But I think about I think about Portland, Maine, um, and I've seen some of the the schematics and, and what that what that project might look like. And 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 they have a, a local owner um, who's a former player and just absolutely understands soccer and supporters culture. And they're talking about doing all these cool things with. Um, this sort of like fashion and lifestyle collaborations and all this really cool branding and local partnerships. Um, I think it has the the potential to absolutely blow the doors off. It could be an amazing, amazing soccer community. Think about Fort Wayne and Demarcus Beasley bringing professional soccer back to his hometown and not being part of League One. That's that's incredible. Um, that'd be a, a, such a coup. So. Look, the future of, of League One expansion is incredibly bright. It, it's gonna it's gonna come fast, really fast, especially between now and when the 2026 World Cup rolls to town. Um, and I hope, and I and I think it's very very likely that you guys will have some, uh, you know, hopefully some bustable games here in the uh, not too distant future. Has coronavirus at all kind of hindered that growth at all? No, I don't think so. No, I don't think so. Not at all. Because look, the, um, the the expansion conversations are ongoing. Justin and the community development team are on the phone every day. And if there was 
if, if coronavirus was having an impact on those communities to the extent that, that we were, um, it was lessening their appetite for League One soccer, then we would, we would know about it. The reality is um, that has not happened. Um, people are viewing League One as a, as, a, as a community asset in a way that, that instills in them a sense of urgency and they want to get it done and they want to get it done quickly. So I, I'm really bullish, and I know those guys are too, on, on what the expansion pipeline could look like over the next couple of years. Um, and, and I already know, you know, we're already working on um, on plans and strategies for a couple of announcements before before the end of the year. So there's some really, really exciting news coming down down the pipe on that front. Definitely looking forward to that. Uh, but as more teams get in there and Union Omaha starts winning more and more championship, yeah. how many of those do we get before <laughs> it becomes the MIMS trophy? look jay is one of my my favorite people in the league he's he's the man so i to be honest with you i'd be in favor of naming that with him or naming that after him right now um before you even i'm i'm fine with it (laughs) however however i think i think there's a club in north texas with eric quill who's the reigning coach of the year and won both the regular season and playoffs who uh, who might have something to say about that. So being able to beat them, that would probably be a good first start for you guys. They, they had a head start because there was no Omaha there, but we, we know where it's going to change. Hey, I support you guys. I'm all about it. Going into this next upcoming season, what, uh, what match are you looking forward to the most? Ooh, that's a tough one. Um, Thank you. Let's slip what the visual is going to look like with that. Go for it. There's two. Yeah, start giving away the dates. Um, yeah. so Actually, July 18th, Omaha is going to have a home game. That I just give <laughs> us the whole entire schedule. <laughs> so your guys' is, your guys' is first ever match is is, and I'm not just saying it because I'm here. I think that's my number one. Um, and then and then number two would be a rematch of last year's final between Greenville and North Texas. I think Greenville is absolutely chomping at the bit to get them again. You, you think Harps is going for blood? I think they have a serious, serious sense of purpose about them at the moment. And I think they're, they're more hungry for having lost that final. Um, and I, I, I wouldn't want to play them earlier <laughs> in the season. Uh, that's definitely a team we've, uh, we've had some good heckles with. Their supporters are some of the best in the league. And yeah, we're really definitely. excited when we get to beat them. Have you guys had with uh, other supporter groups across League One? Give me your, uh, give me, give me, give me your your analysis, top to bottom of uh, of League One SGs. Oh, well, you know there there's two here in Omaha that are doing a fantastic job. Um, yeah. They they've got a lot of uh, surprises hidden for if fans are allowed to travel uh, during the season. So they're they're going to be sitting number one. Uh, Pierce, I think you can agree there. Yeah, definitely. definitely for sure. The, the, the supporter groups here in Omaha have been super, super interesting to follow. Uh, they've gone through a lot of growth, and it's just been so fun to watch them from the very first day to what they are now. But you asked about, like, what are some other supporter groups that – I mean, the Greenville yeah. people have been so, so wonderful and so fun to uh, collaborate with. So I've been really impressed and I've been really impressed with all the other podcasts where we've collaborated. So I've honestly, for, for this league, I'm so impressed that even though we are rivals, that we all are still okay to work together, to be honest. 
You know, I think that's true of not just the supporters groups, but even um, even the clubs themselves. You know, I sit in on on a lot of the league wide calls, and um, and I think more than some other leagues around the country, there's a real like sense of collective amongst this group. I think they they all realize that um, Omaha's success is Madison's success, and Greenville's success is North Texas's success, and um, rising tides lift all ships. So I. Uh, it's one of the really fun things to see uh, from a USLHQ standpoint. Well, I Speaking will about- say, though, the, the worst supporters in the league are those guys up there at League One Unfiltered. Yep, <laughs> I, the League One Unfiltered guys are the absolute worst. They're just straight-up bullies. Uh, they make fun of me. Ryan, I don't know if you know this, but they make fun of me constantly because of how beautiful and great I am. It's just right. really – it's really difficult. It's really you difficult. You experience a lot of that jealousy or? Yeah, or no? it's everywhere. You know, when you've got this type of look and you're a big Chelsea fan and Chelsea wins Champions Leagues and, and yeah. Premier Leagues and FA Cup. When you win so many trophies as a club yeah. at, at Chelsea, you get all of it. Yeah, for sure. I, I, now, now, we kind of talked about this before. Where are you at? Because Luke's a big Bayern guy. I'm a big Chelsea guy. I mean, Pat's a big AC Milan guy. I mean, we're, we're, we what club do you support? <laughs> I support it's, uh, it's two. I support two European clubs, and um, one is going to surprise you, and the other one isn't. I support Norwich City FC. That is very surprising. Um, my dad, and it's it's for no real reason other than when I was a kid, my dad went there for work, and he brought me back a green and yellow Norwich City Canaries jersey, and it was nice. was that. And then um, when Fox Soccer Channel started showing. Premier League highlights uh, in the kind of early to mid 2000s. They were in the the Premier League with Dean Ashton and Rob Green and some of these guys. And so I just started I started following the club, and I've I've been a supporter ever since. The other one is is Real Madrid. I'm gonna be honest with you on that. So, okay. um, so okay. Norwich, Norwich and Real Madrid. That's a that's an interesting combo. If I'm gonna be honest yeah. with you, so I, I, I may have just like reached the. Uh, we we've got a lot of uh, Barcelona fans on our on our team here. Mm-hmm. Um, I think Ryan, you, you might might want to hold off and come into a Union Omaha game. Yeah, just for a couple, of, just for yeah. a couple of days. Yeah, <laughs> uh, I think you guys are going to be wearing all white anyway. Yes, um, yeah, we're going to. You know, I, I think I'll fit right in actually. And to be yeah. honest with you, I su- I, I don't mind Madrid because they have my favorite player Hazard. I mean, I, I don't mind. I don't mind yeah. Hazard. Hazard. My, my favorite is uh my favorite Sergio Ramos, who who no one else likes likes him. No, my, my boy. <laughs> nope, I'm okay on that one. So you guys being Chelsea and Byron fans, I, I have yeah. to ask, doesn't doesn't the winner of the twenty twelve championship final just yep. kind of like take seniority yep. on this one or or how does it <laughs> you know, I'm, <laughs> I'm asking for a friend. <laughs> it, it, if I'm being honest here, it'd be the one that's won the most Champions Leagues. But it's so bitter, Ryan. You just hit nice and political here. So, Ryan, he gets so bitter. He gets right. so bitter. Right. I didn't mean. To, I didn't mean to strike a nerve. It's, oh, you did not. You, that's the best. That's the best thing you could have said. Now you're my favorite interview behind Matt. I'm not gonna <laughs> lie. This is <laughs> well, but uh, but go ahead, go ahead, Luke. No, no. See, last interview, um, you know, you interviewed two Chelsea players or two Chelsea fans before this, and now you're throwing it to Ryan. That's real bad look. Yeah. 
Real bad luck. This is great. This is great. We're getting a lot of Chelsea fans. Now, Ryan, uh, what about Union Omaha? I mean, there's a new team. What's impressed you about this front office and trying to get fans? What's really impressed you about Union Omaha's growth, even with coronavirus? Two major things. I think that you have to – they're sort of the ingredients that make every really successful soccer club um, tick. And one, that is – uh, strong local ownership, someone who's who's really invested in the community and invested in the club and who's in it for the right reasons and and wants to wants to build a winner. And and that that's Gary in a lot of ways. And I, I, I've spent a lot of time with Gary Green um, recently and, and I think the world of him and and I know that he I know that he has a plan and he has the right people around him and Jay and Matt and some of the other guys who um, and gals who, who are going to who are going to execute on that plan and make this thing make this thing special. The other part is, I think, just the community reception to it. You know, it, what you guys are experiencing and, and some of the excitement around Un- Union Omaha is is not the norm, to be honest. You know, I've, I've seen a lot of teams come into the championship in League One over the last couple of years and not many, if any of them, bring with them the initial excitement that you guys have. And I think it just I think it just tells you that there's there's this undercurrent and this subculture and this this population of people in Omaha who are desperate for a professional team to call their own. And I think when the doors open and, and when um, it's safe to to bring that that stadium to full capacity, I think it's going to be absolutely buzzing. It's going to be rocking, and um, I think a lot of people around the country are going to take notice. And if they don't know who Union Omaha is, or they only know it because it's it's got this this cool brand, or they're the club who who were kind enough and, and generous enough to give away their front of kit sponsors to, to medical institutions in the community. Um, they're going to, if they don't know you for that, then they're going to know you because you're, you're, you're going to be winners on the field. So I, um, I'm really, really, really excited to see what this club's capable of. All right. I got one, one hard question for you. And sure. we're hearing that there's stimulus coming out, uh, going to all the teams because COVID has just ravaged some front offices. Everyone was expecting to, uh, have had half a season by this point. Uh, are there going to be any stipulations on the stimulus the teams are receiving? Uh, is that going to all of your um, MLS two sides in addition to all your independents? Um, or, or is it just going out and they can spend it however they see fit? I'll tell you, I, I, I have to be careful in, in what I'm able to, to shed light on on this one. I think the, the truth is it's the kind of thing that we would have preferred, um, you know, stayed stayed out, out of out of the press and out of the media and, and, and um, maybe would have been something better suited just to occur behind closed doors. But since it since it has been made public, um, I can tell you, you know, that there is, in fact, an, an economic um, relief package that's been offered to all 47 of our clubs in the championship in League One. And it, it came about really because since the, the day the temporary suspension was announced, we've, you know, as a league office, your, your primary focus is just on how you can support the clubs. Like I said, we have 47 professional soccer clubs and like every industry and business around the world, 
COVID-19 has brought with it some economic hardship. And, and like I said, well, I can't go into the exact details of the package provided. I can tell you that, um, that, that we're going to continue to identify ways that, that, we can, that we can help offset some of that hardship going forward. We're, we're an organization that spends a lot of time um, thinking about how we can here. Otherwise, it's just a, it's a part of who we are and it's, it's a part of who, who we're always going to be. Well, hey, Ryan, thank you so much for coming on. What a great interview. I, hopefully we can do this again sometime when the season actually starts and maybe an in-person interview for uh, when you come out and visit Omaha. I would love that. I would love that. <laughs> um, be wary of the Barca fans, and I'll, I'll send an apology note to Luke for the whole 2012 thing before I head out. So, well, thank um, you. Don't, you don't have to. Hopefully I haven't burned too many bridges. You've only burned one bridge, and the only, and that's with Luke, with me. You're totally fine. You're totally oh. fine, and I love it. I love it. Thanks, <laughs> Congratulations on your newborn, Ryan. Uh, yep. I, I hope you actually can manage some sleep before this uh, very busy season gets going. Uh, it's unlikely, but I appreciate it very, very much, man. Thank you guys so much for having me on. Let's do it um, again soon. And like you sure. said, I'd love to come out for the opener and uh, maybe we can do something in person and have a beer together. Perfect. Perfect. Thank you so much, Ryan. All right, guys. Talk soon.